What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. I'm Austin Terry, a.k.a. Spruce Payne, the half-elf. I'm Matt Johnson, a.k.a. Brief Barga, the tiefling. And I'm Keith Baker, a.k.a. Sandal, the goblin. On today's show, we'll be continuing part two of our Dungeons & Dragons adventure. Uh, But first, guys, why don't you share with me some of your favorite parts from part one? We, we, We got through our first battle successfully. Took a while, but we did it. We had some injuries, but uh, we're okay. Mm-hmm. We're, we're recouping. Yeah, just taking it easy. I acquired a faithful sidekick named Sandal. Oh, that sounds nice. I kind of kicked off my songwriting career a little bit as a bard. Uh, Sandal Slingshot is a song that uh, has gone triple platinum already, so download that on iTunes, wherever you get your music. And uh, what, do they have for, uh, what do they have in place of downloads in, uh, in Fantasy World? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like a local messenger. Oh, is it a? Is it songbirds? Does Matt employ a fleet of songbirds to go around singing his song? Oh yeah, well, like a pigeon. I, but it has a scroll. That's my plan, but I can't really afford to do that right now until we finish our campaign and get our ten gold coins. Right now, I'm a little bit low on cash. But um, my plan, yeah, is to kind of employ some songbirds to go around, spread the message, just land in every town and. Just kind of tell the people, hey, man, Sandal Slingshot just came out. They're going to be using it for the next bomb theme. So check it out. It's a big deal. So, yeah, that's kind of my plan. Okay, everybody. Well, today we are going to be continuing part two of D&D. And, of course, we do need to say another thank you to Dungeon Master Nick from the Very Good Adventuring team. He is going to be our Dungeon Master and our host for today's episode. He was such an awesome guest, and we just could not have done this episode without him. It wouldn't have worked. So thank you once again to Dungeon Master Nick. Yep. Thanks, Nick. Shout out to Nick. And guys, before we kick this off, should we give any teases for part two? It's going to get dark. It does get dark. And literally, we might be in a dark place in this one. That's all I'll say. I like that. There will be uh, some burning shrubbery. Mm-hmm. Definitely will be. And uh, we may have a, uh, a hostage situation on our hands. We definitely have a hostage situation. And I'm not going to spoil it, but all I will say is, in my case as a songwriter, words and compassion can be much mightier than the sword. But don't worry, there's plenty of sword swinging in this episode. Yeah, we kill a shit ton. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, everybody, this is the first time I think we've ever had to do this, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and try this out and we'll see how it works. Please. Previously on the Arnie's. Keith, this might be your only chance. Do you want to do it too? Previously on the Arnie's. Ooh, now I want to do it too. Previously on the Arnie's. <laughs> All right. Because I will be playing as a tiefling named Brief Barga, not based on anybody. Whatever I read going forward, totally original. I did not come up with this really quickly just by picking a character from Star Wars. Brief, it's just lovely to meet you. Um, of course, I'm typically known as Austin, but today I will be Spruce Payne. Um, I am a half-human, half-elf, and I hail from the village of Hotham. My name is Keith, but I will be playing as Sandal the Goblin. Well, good news for you, Sandal. I've been looking for a sidekick, and you sound like the man for the job. I accept. <laughs> wow! In the city of Neverwinter, there is a dwarf named Gundren Rockseeker, and Gundren has asked you to bring a wagon load of provisions to the rough-and-tumble settlement of Phandalin. Sandal, of course, I picked up along my journey. He's now my sidekick. Um, so Sandal and I have been traveling together for a while, and I feel like we may have met Brief in a tavern along the way. How do you guys think you're traveling? Are you guys riding in the wagon? Or are you walking next to it? What do you think? Oh, as a goblin, I'm used to walking on my feet, so I'm not riding a horse or riding in the wagon. I prefer getting, keeping my uh, myself strong by doing my own walking. I'm definitely in the wagon. I think I might be on a horse, uh, the spruce mobile, if you will. Nice. Your wagon is behind you. You've stepped off, moved forward to investigate these uh, horses with a bunch of arrows sticking out of them, and now more arrows. These ones in the air are starting to come at you. So I need to try and do as much damage to as many as possible. And I'm looking at the spells, and Thunder Wave 
A wave of thunderous force sweeps out from you, and the spell emits a thunderous boom audible out to 300 feet. Grant sees all of his buddies are down, and is like, well, screw this, I'm leaving. Um, okay, so I pull my longbow out, I notch an arrow, and take a shot. A 21 is an excellent shot, and uh, you let loose your arrow, it sings through the woods and strikes dead center in the back, severing the spine and dropping poor Grant. Uh, you see that there's a, a, a very poorly concealed trail heading away from the trail that you're on. I don't think we want to be bringing our horses, and obviously we can't really bring the wagon any further into this, uh, along this trail here, so what do we want to do here? Do we want to try and maybe conceal it to a degree, or I'm not sure how well we can do that, but either way we're going to have to leave some stuff behind. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, I've done this adventure uh, with several groups of players, some new, some more experienced. And the decision on what to do with the wagon is one of the most interesting parts of the first part of this as a DM, because every party handles it 100% different. <laughs> some of them are just like, ah, oh, fuck it, we leave the wagon in the road. And some of them are like, extreme care and how they hide it some are like no we have to bring it with us let's dismantle it and make it into a sled <laughs> I, i've never heard two adventuring <laughs> parties handle the wagon part exactly the same way i love it i love it uh, i like the idea of concealing it we can we can come back for it later i'd say i don't want to save these guys and then lose the wagon is what i'm saying look i want to save i want to do the right <laughs> thing but you know we got to get paid for this well, and if we save them and then also, you know, still have the wagon, we can probably demand a little bit more pay. I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad you did because I totally agree with that, by the way. Sweet. Well, that gives us a direction to go. What would you like to do next? I think we still got to conceal the wagon, right? Yeah, do we have to do anything? Yeah, let's, let's say that's taken care of. You're good there. Well, I don't know in terms of anything we need to do. The only thing I would say is, Bruce, since you, you know, presumably, hopefully, fingers crossed, you, uh... The snare that you took care of was the first one that we would have had to worry about. So I just want to make sure once we get to that point that we're, I don't know what we have to, what we have to do, but we're just extra cautious going forward about snares as well, additional ones. I'll keep an eye out for those since I, you know, was used to setting those booby oh, traps yeah? during the war. Which war was that again, Sandal? There was a war again, uh, between Baku and Toss Dizely. I'm just so happy Sandal has somebody else to tell his war stories to, because after years on the road together, I'm a little sick of them. <laughs> Wait. Okay. Okay. I didn't realize you guys have been together for years. I just got, I just got a little bit, a uh, little bit nervous. I thought, you know, we were becoming like three best friends. It sounds like I might have to uh, work a little bit harder to integrate myself, but I'm down for it. So let's just, let's just say we're uh, we're three best friends, but I'm. I'm looking for a new best friend, if, if you know what I mean. I like that. I like that. It could be me, I think. It could be me. All right. So you guys are proceeding cautiously and perceptively down this trail. Uh, you get to that spot like 10-ish minutes north from where you were, where you come across where the snare was. You point out the snare to your buddies. Sandal admires the craftsmanship mm. of the goblin-laid trap. And you, uh, you proceed further. As you're walking, uh, Sandal, I'll have you make a another perception roll. Okay. Ooh. Nice. Wow. 23 is back to back. So you're coming along the road and uh, you're a couple, uh, what would we say, maybe 10, 15 feet in front of your buddies. And I feel like you give the, uh, the traditional like fist raised in the air, everybody hold up military sign as you spot something suspicious on the trail in front of you. And you... Creep forward to find that there is a fairly well-camouflaged pit that has been dug in the road. Ooh. You walk up and start poking at it with a stick and discover that it's uh, it's about six feet across and it's ten feet deep. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's like some spikes and whatnot at the bottom. This thing would have been uh, pretty nasty to fall into. So, nice job on avoiding the pit trap. All right, so is this in the middle of the trail? Are we able to get around this or...? Yeah, you can easily walk around it. Thanks for calling it out, Sandal. No problem, Spruce. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm sensing some tension between you guys. I don't know if it's because you guys weren't able to hit the bag after your couple embarrassing moments during our battle. Let's just take it easy. We're doing good. You know, we're being cautious. I like it. No, no need to 
get hostile. <laughs> no, Spruce knows I love him. Is it is it like in that semi-abusive older brother kind of love? Like, well, I guess I guess we need to figure out is I guess uh, Sandal's probably my senior because uh, he's an aging uh, rotator cuff damaged goblin. So it sounds like he's been around a lot longer. So maybe he is. Maybe this is like a older younger brother rivalry that we've got going on. Even though he is my sidekick. I'm just yeah, your older sidekick trying to pull back his uh his war skills. That almost you know gives me like a Batman Alfred vibe. So at some point in the past where you guys were on the fire and he was like, well, Mr. Wayne, we burn the whole village down. <laughs> we burn the whole village yeah. down. Those, those are the war. Yeah, maybe maybe instead of my sidekick, he's more of like kind of my like assistant slash butler who helps me out. No, not your butler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just your friend, your older f- veteran friend. That's all. But one way or another, you've got a crazy past with extreme violence that's only hinted at once in a while. Yeah, whenever we walk around the pit, I feel like, Sandal, maybe you, you tell us a little bit of a war story that maybe involved a pit. And Brief is just like, what? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't know that. That's insane. <laughs> like, you talk about building a trap and, like, putting the spikes down there and watching enemies fall in and impale themselves. I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, you guys continue your adventuring to the north. You are cautious. You are perceptive. You're moving slow. It's getting probably to early evening at this point. You eventually come to a spot where... There's a a gentle hillside sloping up and uh, a slight clearing. So there is a cave uh, in the side of this hill, and a little stream is coming out of it. And you can see the tracks that you've been following coming on this trail go towards that uh, little hillside. I'm going to have all of you make some perception rolls again. Yeah! Oh, that was you. Okay. I'll take a 20, though. All right. All right, so with a 9, a 24, and a 20, I think you guys are perceptive enough. So what you notice as you get closer to this hillside and the cave entrance is that there is a a little bit of brush on the side, and you can't specifically see what's going on back there, but uh, but you can tell that that's like, that's mighty nice ambushing territory right there, and you... As you're peering over there, you see that there is, in fact, some some uh, movement and the, the bushes are kind of shuffling around a little bit. You hear some coughing. Uh, so you can tell that maybe you don't know what's over there specifically, but somebody is lying in wait. Maybe for you. Here, here's what I'm thinking. Myself and Brief both have longbows. Mm-hmm. So maybe we have Sandal kind of walk ahead a little bit, pretending to be unaware, and we get our bows ready. And if somebody lunges out, at Sandal, we can shoot him down. That sounds good. I'll be bait. Well, Sandal, are you are you <laughs> you're okay with that? Yeah, I'll I'll be you know I'll act unaware, but I'll be you know with my big my big goblin ears, I'll be able to hear them coming out. I'm just nervous about potentially how many how many people there could be. That's the only thing I'm a bit nervous about here. If you have a different different idea, brief, please. I'd I'd love to hear it. I don't really. I just think we should probably stay as far to the left. Definitely, we want to be on the left side of this little river here. Just in case someone, to your point, does jump out, they would have, at the very least have to run through some water to give us an extra moment to realize they're there. I did just have a new idea, and, and Nick, let me know if I'm able to do this or not. Could we mm-hmm. maybe light that brush on fire and kind of force them to run out? You certainly can. Oh, my God. I think that's a good idea. My thought is basically it's going to be loud, but, I mean, if Sandal walks forward as kind of like bait essentially and people come out it's going to be loud anyway so we might as well do something a bit bolder like that i feel like be a bit uh forward thinking here yeah let's let's light that brush on fire and let's force them out if anybody is waiting to ambush us oh my god wait now i'm nervous <laughs> what if they're not bad people <laughs> i don't know I don't well know. if they're if they're not bad people they'll still have to come out either way hold on okay how about how about we compromise here how about we compromise what if this is, I know, the complete opposite of the original plan. But what if, you know, we basically take the kind of, I don't know what you would call it, but just the aggressive approach in a way where we just kind of stand here staring and just clearly shout, or not shout, but just say, we can hear you, we know you're in there, come on out. And then if they do, we'll know. And then if they're bad, then just light it on fire anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, well, why, why don't you go ahead and call out, Brief? 
do a, okay. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call out. I'm going to be like, hey, I know there's I know there's lots of pollen going around. I know it's allergy season. We can hear you in there sneezing and coughing up a storm. We're not here to hurt you. We just think, you know, some of our friends might be out this way. So just come on out. You know, it's all good. No worries. We're not here to hurt anybody. Uh, so yeah, so come on out. Uh, what I'm going to have you do at this point is I'm going to have you make... In fact, I'll give you a choice. You can either make a pers- uh, sorry, a performance or a persuasion roll. I'm going to do persuasion just because I think the goal here for this plan, whether or not they're good or bad, is we want them to come out so we know kind of what's going down. So I'll do persuasion. Uh, all right. So you call out to these people, uh, whatever's behind this bush, and you're like, hey, come on out and give your nice little speech. Uh, you rolled a 14 and unfortunately they rolled a 16 on the back end of this. And so after you cry out and give your speech, you just hear like 15 seconds of pause. And then you hear, ah, no. Then you hear Spruce go, let's light him up. Well, again, I know that was the plan. I feel like kind of, uh, no. Is that really what a villain would say? You know what I'm saying? We got to see who's in this bush. And they're not coming out. So let's force them out. Let's let's set this brush on fire. That would I feel like that would kill them though pretty easily. <laughs> well, just set it, the other side of it on fire. That way it's just the smoke draws them out. Yeah, let's force them out with smoke. There we go. Okay. All right. I like that. Good compromise there. So what we're going to do here is we're going to put you guys back into initiative order because things will get a little dicey with lighting things on fire and whatnot. So go ahead and give me another initiative roll. All right. So Sandal's got a 20. Brief has got a 17. Spruce has got a 12. And uh, Sandal, why don't you give me a name? Kyle. Geronimo. Sandal, it's up to you. Spruce has just said, ah, screw it, let's just start this thing on fire. Add a little torch, you flint and tinder, you throw the torch into there. You're starting to see some smoke in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because they're lower in the turn order, they're not quite going to get to act yet. So what would you like to do until they do? Maybe I'll just have my, my, my slingshot ready, ready to go. That way, if it, it does end up being someone bad, I'll yeah. have it already aimed at them. All right, so this actually brings up an excellent mechanic uh, opportunity to explain something in D&D. Um, so as mentioned, turns are, uh, or combat is broken into rounds. Each of you gets a turn within a round. There are actions, bonus actions, and movement on your turn. You do have one other thing on your turn that sort of happens outside, or sorry, in the round that happens outside of your turn. It's called a reaction. I think I mentioned earlier that if you leave someone's melee range, they can get what's called an attack of opportunity. Uh, The way that you get that is by spending your reaction. One other thing that you can do with that is you can use your turn to specify readying an action. So it costs you your action, and then if it happens, it costs you the reaction to make it happen, if that makes sense. And what you do is you define an action and a trigger, and both have to be specific. Um, You can't uh, I guess abuse it by saying like, well, if something happens, I'm going to do something cool. That's a little too broad. But you can say, if an enemy comes out, I'm going to shoot my sling at them. If the trigger you define doesn't happen, then your round just passes and your next turn happens like normal. Gotcha. Okay. So you would say, if you see somebody that seems hostile, you're going to shoot at them with your sling? That's correct. There we go. So that'll be where you're at. Brief, anything from you? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to do anything too crazy until one of them goes so we know more. So I'll just do the exact same thing, except I'll do it with a longbow. So if anybody comes running towards any of the three of us, then I'll do the, I'll do the same thing. I'll, I'll shoot you. I feel like we should try and capture one of these guys just to see if we can get any information from them on why they keep getting ambushed. Uh, so you guys see, come from around the corner of this little bramble, a goblin. It's Kyle. Kyle. Kyle comes around the corner and looks like he's going to run into the cave mouth at first, but then looks over and sees you guys, and Kyle's going to fire a short bow. I think Sandal looks like the closest. Oh, no. Uh, so that is a seven, which easily misses your armor class. They just... 
there's a loose rock in the stream as they step over it and they just uh, the arrow flies wide so at this point I'm gonna give both uh, sandal and brief we'll start with sandal since you were first in the turn order do you want to fire your sling at this character or no you know what I'm gonna say no and try to talk talk him down and see if he's if he's actually like a hostile or not all right so since that doesn't meet like the, the the whole like trigger action sequence from what we said before we'll let you do that on your turn gotcha um and then brief did you want to fire how would capturing somebody work if i shoot does it have to shoot to kill always or how does that work uh you've got two options for capturing characters um, one of them is to physically subdue them like wrestling. Uh, that's generally going to be an athletics check, and you can contest that, or they can contest that rather, with either athletics or um, acrobatics. Mm -hmm. That's one way of doing it. The other way is doing non-lethal damage. Unfortunately, you can only do non-lethal damage with a melee weapon. Uh, it's, it's hard mm -hmm. to yeah, that makes sense. shoot somebody with the side of an arrow, but you could hit someone with the side of a sword. Yeah. All right, well, you know what? We know there's someone else based on all those coughs, so I'll just fire at him. All right, the year 14 is unfortunately just a little bit short. They're able to uh, scoot out of the way just in time to have that deflect off of their armor. That brings us down to Spruce's turn. I kind of like where uh, where Sandal's head was at. Can I use? Can I do a persuasion roll and try to talk to this guy one more time since no one's been hurt yet? Yep, so this would be a... Uh, you would use your action to make a persuasion check. All right, I'll go ahead and do that. With a nine, you just don't find the right words. You can just feel you're not making any headway with Kyle. They're <laughs> they're not convinced you're a friend. It's like that drunk friend at the bar. You just can't convince him it's time to go. It's just it's not working out. Okay. Well, I'm sorry, Kyle. I guess I guess it's time to fight. Uh, Geronimo is going to do about the same thing as his buddy did. He's going to get around the corner here and is going to fire a bow. This time we're firing at Brief. Uh, that is a 22, which I think hits your armor class. Yeah. Uh, you are going to take five piercing damage as this arrow strikes your calf. Alrighty. That takes us to the end of round one. We start again at the top of round two, Sandal. You're going to tell us what you're going to do first. Well, now that Geronimo just hurt my friend Brief, I think I'm going to have to take a shot at him. I'll run up to Geronimo and hit him with my uh, rapier. Careful, though, Keith. You are in those uh, those burning bushes. You might have some fire right back. <laughs> uh, let's just pretend he's standing next to those bushes. A 21, your rapier strikes true. It's a good thing you did those, uh, those rotor cuff bands back there, sandal. I knew yeah. I was going to pay off. Six piercing damage is done to Geronimo, and they are looking pretty not good. One might even say wrecked. All right, move down to Brief. All right, that's actually perfect, because I think I might want to run up there as well and do some non-lethal damage on Geronimo with my longsword, and I guess ideally... <laughs> Just based on the fact that they got hurt first, they're the one that will take captive, ideally. So that's what I'll do. <laughs> right on. So go ahead and move your character to where you'd like to be. You can easily get next to Geronimo. Well, then I'll do non-lethal longsword to him. You're trying super hard to be really cautious with your longsword. You roll a 13 against their armor class. And yeah. You do get like a good smack on the like across their back, but it's not enough to knock them unconscious. Okay. All right, Kyle, seeing his dear friend Geronimo in dire straits, is going to move over and take a scimitar slash at brief. And that's a critical miss. They're just too distraught. Yes. Geronimo just means too much to them. Perfect. They're not able to strike home. And we come down to Spruce. I'll go ahead and I'll also move uh, to Geronimo. And I'll, I'll, take, I'll do another attempt to knock him unconscious. I'm hoping that if we can knock him unconscious, maybe Kyle will back off if we take a hostage. We're going to introduce yet another new rule. Don't worry, there's only 260 some odd pages of them in the book. <laughs> I actually looked at the PDF before this, and it's uh, it's pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that you just got to kind of do long enough to get used to. Um, so what's going to happen here is there's an optional rule, but it's one that I really like. And that rule is called flanking. 
because Brief is on the other side of an enemy from Spruce, uh, what I'm going to give you is flanking advantage. Um, so this is a nice tactic you can use in combat. And essentially the way that it, it sort of like uh, is represented is like, imagine that you've got somebody fighting you on both sides of you. That's pretty hard to deal with. So they're distracted. They're not as good at defending themselves. Uh, so in this instance, now when you roll and roll 20 and it gives you the two dice, you get to pick the higher of the two rolls. All right, I'm going to bust out my, uh, my hand axe here. All right, so this is a perfect opportunity. You can see that if you would have rolled normally with this, you would have gotten that 14, the first die roll. Uh, but because you have advantage, you get to take the 19. And that is a difference between a miss and a hit. Nice. With four damage, that is easily enough to remove the last one that Geronimo had. Uh, you take your axe and I think cool guy flip it in the air so that it's onto the broadside nice. and just crack Geronimo across the back of the skull while they're distracted. Geronimo is now unconscious and we start off round three with Sandal. So can I take him hostage and like get him tied up? Uh, so you have in your pack, I believe some rope and, uh, you could use your action to tie this dude up. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm tying Geronimo up with my rope from my pack. That moves us down to Brief's turn. I guess we could potentially get different information here. So would it be worth it to, do you guys think, to try and knock this guy out too? It, uh, it might be worth it. You know, we, we could do that. Uh, Last of Us too. <laughs> yeah, where you separate them, you know? If they say anything different, we kill them or whatever it is. I can't remember. Anyway. Um, okay, then, yeah. So since we're there... I guess I'll just do the same thing. Yeah, so I guess actually I'll do the exact same thing. I'll do the long sword two hand, but I'll do non-lethal. Oh wait, brief. You should you should move up though, so we can both flank on the next turn. Doing it right on. And the way that I do the uh, the advantage for that, by the way, is is if you can draw a line from the center of your character to the center of one of the other um, enemies of that character, and it goes through them, which this does then you get advantage. Oh, that's cool. So are we flanking right now then? Uh, yeah, so that with Spruce and Brief, you get flanking there as well. I missed him though, again. Actually, the 13 would miss, but the 15 that you get oh, because of right. advantage uh, does allow you to hit. Yes. All right, cool. Nice. That's exactly the target number you needed, so go ahead and roll me that damage. Oh. <laughs> it's the piddliest little slap we've ever seen in our lives. It causes everybody, including Kyle, to chuckle. <laughs> You're trying super hard to be gentle, and uh, you do a delicate two damage, but it does get them closer to unconscious. Perfect. Kyle, on their turn, is going to try and lash out at Brief here, who just snuck up behind them with a scimitar. And that is a critical miss with only a five. Spruce, we're back to you. Since we still have the, uh, the advantage, I'll go ahead and take a swing with my longsword again. An 18 is a hit. And a 7 for damage. With 7 damage, you are able to reduce Kyle to 0 hit points. And you did want to go non-lethal there as well, right? Yes. You now stand, and we're exiting the uh, the initiative order now. Uh, you now stand at the entrance of this cave with two unconscious goblins and a smoldering bush. Which I need to get out of. Let me move my guy. Yeah, and... and uh... And Sandal's pants are slightly on fire as well. <laughs> there we go. You know, I, I, it's another thing that I'm impressed by in D&D. I can't remember the last time I had an actual D&D campaign that didn't have at least one singed pants experience. <laughs> wow. I love it. Kept the trend going. Here you are, outside of the fire. What would you like to do next? Well, I guess what we need to do is we need to separate both of the goblins, but ask them both the same question and see if they give us the same answer. Okay, so we got to decide what questions we want to ask. All uh, The Last of Us Part Two. if anybody has played that recently. So, yeah. So what <laughs> questions do we need to ask? I guess, obviously, we want to know for sure if maybe if either of them know if our boss and the other guy that was with us were taken hostage or are here. We want to know that. We also should probably find out if are they ambushing us just like because that's the goblin thing to do or are they under orders from anybody to ambush us yeah i was gonna say are they with the other goblins that ambushed us or are they maybe just a, maybe they're innocent goblins and they were just defending themselves maybe they thought we were bad that could be true as well simple question we got to get out of the way is uh and they're gonna lie on this one but <laughs> i guess we should ask kind of what the uh what would you say what would you say um 
what what's our opposition looking like in terms of numbers would probably be helpful. We don't want to walk in here if it's just like a city in there, basically, like a goblin city or something. So we need to know the lay of the land, if our friends are here, and maybe motive. Yeah, I think we got it covered. Uh, so you separate these two goblins. You've probably got one of them. Let's say one of them's over here in this little uh, ambush spot. I like it on either side of the burning bush. There you go. We enter dramatic split back and forth cutscene time where you're asking them the the questions. So remind me again what the questions are and what order you want to ask them in. So I think it was, uh, are there any other goblins in our path? What's your motive? Like, are, are you under orders or are you just attacking us because that's what goblins do? And then have you seen our boss? You get two wildly different answers from Kyle and Geronimo. Uh, I'm going to have you guys roll insight. So then, yeah, so I guess Spruce and Brief are the ones asking the questions. Sweet. So I'll have you two make the insight rolls then. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right, so you get these two wildly different numbers. Spruce, you kind of get the impression that when uh, when this guy says there's like 10... You know, he probably thinks he's giving you the right number, but you're really not sure if he can count. I guess my experience as a vigilante could kind of be playing in a little bit here. I have interrogated quite a quite a number of people. Three people, to be exact, in my, wow. in my small village. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, you think there's a level of honesty to the answer, you're just not certain if there's, you know, any, uh, any real backing to it. Okay. And brief, you... Uh, you're talking to Geronimo, and Geronimo is like, God, 90. <laughs> and you just have no idea what to make of that. Gotcha. Uh, you you both move to the second question, which is uh, essentially, why are you attacking us? And uh, I think both of you can pretty easily tell that both of them are looking at you like you're the idiots, because they're like, for money? Okay, so no sinister plot, I guess, which is good. Not that you're aware of anyway, or not that they're aware of. And uh, I'll have both of you roll me insight one more time. Might not be a sinister plot, but if they're if they're being paid by someone to specifically attack our group, then certainly a bit sinister. <laughs> There's a motive there, so, okay. Sinister, just basic evil. Right. Classic evil. Okay, so you've got uh, Spruce, you're talking to Kyle... And you're like, you know, is my boss here? And Kyle's like, boss? And you go on to uh, describe uh, Gundren, and he's like, no, he's gone. So he's seen him recently, though, which is good to know. Like gone, gone, or, or gone, dead? Uh, gone, gone, as in was here and has now been removed. Uh, and then you go on to describe uh, Sildar Hallwinter, his companion, and uh, Brief, you're telling this to Geronimo, and you're getting a similar answer. By the way, you got an 18 and a 13, so you guys are pretty confident in the answers that you're getting uh, are accurate. Um, and Geronimo is like, oh, yeah, inside to the left. As for if he's in there, okay. So the, the summary of the answers you've gotten here is how many goblins are waiting for you inside? Uh, neither of them has been able to provide you with what you would consider reliable information. Whether or not they're truthful or not doesn't matter. It's just not reliable. All right. And were they directed to attack you guys? Nah, they were just, they're just, you know, goblins gonna goblin. Ooh, that could be a good title for my next for song. Briefly, the song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> goblin for a goblin. Uh, as far as whether or not Gundren Rockseeker and Sildar Hallwinter are here, it appears that both have been here. Gundren has been taken elsewhere. Sildar is still inside. Inside to the left. Is there anything that we desperately need to know before going in here? Do you know what I mean? Like, is there anything that you feel like they weren't being forthcoming about or we need to get a definitive answer? Because we could do something drastic. And I'm not trying to freak you guys out, but in my bounty hunting days, we did tend to lean towards some more brutal tactics. I'm saying if we're a bit kind of on edge about going in there or we need actual answers in terms of how many are inside, what we can expect, we could bring them both out here and kill one of them 
and then threaten the other one that we're going to kill him unless they give us some straight answers. All, all I'm saying is if we feel like we're not getting straight answers, you know, we could try something to force some straight answers out. I don't know. So we got a straight answer about where our boss's companion is. We do have a rough estimate of there's probably a smaller number of goblins just based on my insight role. So I'm thinking what we could do is we could just bring these two with us in there and then they kind of could be like, maybe they'll keep their friends from attacking us immediately if if they know that we didn't kill their oh, two companions right okay. off the bat. I like that better, actually. I like that. The only thing I'm nervous about is the actual, clearly, is the actual number of goblins inside. That's the big concern. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking Because it would be very, very helpful to get Sildur, Sildar, our boss's companion back. That would be very, very helpful and give us information about where Gundren is. And maybe we find out more that we need to know, basically. So I want to get him back into safety. It's just, what's the cost? How many, how many people are we going to expect inside? That's what I'm nervous about. But I think taking them with us could be a good solution. So one thing to just step back, as as entertaining as all of this is, (laughs) um, but the perception that you've got of these two is that like, they're just not good at counting. Okay. And so (laughs) I forgot about that. It's not specifically that they were lying about the number of other goblins that were in the cave. It's like, like, I don't know if you guys are at the age where you would have watched SpongeBob SquarePants, but like one of my favorite scenes is where SpongeBob and Patrick walk into this room full of uh, mattresses. And it's like, (laughs) it's mattresses piled as high as the eye can see. And they go off into infinity. Mm -hmm. And SpongeBob is like, Wow, Patrick, look at all the mattresses. How many are there? And Patrick is like, 10. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I see, I see. I say we kind of like uh, take them with us and just kind of hold them out in front of their friends and say, we've captured captured two of you. Give us our our boss's companion and and we'll go. And then we'll see what happens. A classic Bridge of Spies scenario. It's a two for one deal as well. All right, let's do that. Let's let's not bother asking again. It sounds like that's not going to get us anywhere. So, yeah, I think we just take them with us. And our goal should be to basically whoever we encounter will say, we'll give you guys. We'll give these two back unharmed, but we need our buddy. That's what we'll say. And Nick, could you remind me, what is the, the companion's name again? Uh, Sildar Hallwinter. So, yeah, we'll, we'll take these guys with us and we'll demand a, a hostage exchange for Sildar. So you guys pack up your uh, your companions here now, and you start moving your way into the cave. All three of your characters have a thing called dark vision. So way back in classic D&D uh, time, the, the biggest thing, probably the number one obstacle in the game, especially for low-level characters, was darkness. And that like just isn't even a thing anymore. So... Just so you're aware going in, all of your characters have what's called dark vision. You can see out to 60 feet in the dark, so you don't need to bother with torches or any of the rest of that stuff. Gotcha. Nice. Perfect. So the cave entrance, by the way, is pretty narrow. Uh, you're only going to be able to enter single file. What order would you like to proceed in? We should definitely make one of the hostages go first, like in kind of pushing one of them you know, in front of us as we walk. Yeah, I'll, and I'll go second, since I'm also a goblin. I'll look like a friendly from a distance. I also think we should employ, with the rope, I know it sounds trivial, but it might be good to, like, basically tie them, not together, but each, like, tie, like, a knot around one and then around the other and then have, like, the rope in between, and then we all kind of hold on to the rope and walk in with it. Just, I don't want them running off, because <laughs> it's going to get narrow in there, and if somebody <laughs> runs off, even if they're, you know, their hands are tied then because they're they have to have their legs free so they can walk in <laughs> so uh i think we might want to do something like that just to prevent some runaway scenarios so like when you go past like a daycare and they've got like the rope yeah, with all the exactly hand rings in I'm it and all the kids got it yes exactly <laughs> it's yeah. like that but involuntary i know yep. perfect <laughs> all right cool all right so the gang of you sally forth into the cave you get 
a couple of feet into the cave and you are interrupted by the sound of fierce barking from behind you, or sorry, to the right of you. Just inside the cave mouth, a few uneven stone steps lead up to a small, dank chamber on the east side of the passage. The cave narrows to a steep fissure at the far end and it is filled with the stench of animals. Savage snarls and the sounds of rattling chains greet your ears where three wolves are chained up just inside the opening. Each wolf's chain leads to an iron rod driven into the base of a stalagmite. And just because I know I always need a reminder, stalagmite (laughs) is the one that comes up from the ground. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, I'm curious what you guys think. My initial thought is kind of... I say we just keep walking. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to go in there. They did say that uh, the companion was in the cave to the left, and they're to the right. So I I think it looks like we've got a path up here on on our left-hand side. I think we could just kind of shimmy our way along and, and turn to the left. Hey, Nick, actually, I'm I'm seeing in, in my pack I have some rations. Could I attempt to toss them some rations and kind of pacify them? Indeed, you do have rations. So here's what we'll do. Can I have you make in your character sheet an animal handling check, and I'm going to have you do it because you toss some rations with advantage. With a 13, you toss your rations into the room, uh, and you just take one pack of it and... Uh, sort of break it up into chunks, toss it in there, and the wolves, uh, I would not say calm down. They certainly get more excited because you can tell from the, the ribs that are shown on the sides, these animals are not kept well fed. But now they start going towards the food, and the barking is quieted down to snarling and, and rabid eating noises. So you have successfully distracted these wolves from your presence. That's all we needed to do. I, I assume they're not going to keep barking as we go in, so I think that's fine as long as we keep going. You start moving a little bit further to the north here, and you reach uh, sort of this split in the tunnel. It does go off to the left. It also goes off to the right. Okay. The main passage from the cave mouth climbs steeply upward, and the stream plunges and splashes down its west side. In the shadows, a side passage leads across to the other side of the stream. And I'm going to have each of you make a little bit of a perception roll. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. I'm just rolling <laughs> terribly. Oh, no, I, I got that. I rolled terribly as well. I didn't do well either. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. We got Sandal. Sandal's big brain. Look at the big brain on Sandal. <laughs> Sandal is familiar with goblin tactics and whatnot. So you can see that there is a bridge up ahead, and you would know that uh, that looks like a good place for a goblin to maybe keep a lookout on the, uh, the road down the way here or down the stream. You also know that goblins, you know, I mean, you don't want to be racist or anything, but you're kind of just acknowledging the way that you grew up. It can be a little lazy, and goblins don't tend to make the best on-guard watchmen. So, uh, I think you see this bridge. You're pretty good at guessing that there's going to be a goblin up on the bridge. Uh, And I'll let you kind of, like, stop there and decide, do you maybe want to be sneaky and try and get past? Do you want to negotiate with this goblin? Or maybe do you guys want to take the left tunnel and hope that your buddy Sildar is down there? We were given the left-hand information on a a pretty high um, insight roll. So I think we can trust that information and head to the left. Okay, so we'll just ignore the goblin on the bridge. For now, I think, if if you're cool with that, I think that makes the most sense for now. If he's asleep, he may not even notice we're in here. Yeah, and we're being quiet enough, so yeah, let's take a lift. So what I'm going to have you guys do at this point is I'm going to have you just kind of collectively make a a luck roll, I always call it. Uh, Just every one of you roll a d20, and let's see how that turns out. Oh, man, that's the tiebreaker right there. A 10, 11, and then followed it up with a 20. So I think you guys are very lucky in this instance, and you hear from up the sound here, there's like the sound of water running and uh, the stream going underneath you and whatnot, and you can just faintly hear above it the sounds of snoring. And that goblin that's supposed to be keeping watch on the top of the bridge is unconscious. We're some lucky boys. You proceed left down this cavern, and... Oh, is that our friend? This large cave is divided in half by a 10-foot-high escarpment. A steep natural staircase leads from the lower portion to the upper edge. The air is hazy with the smoke of cooking fire and pungent from the smell of poorly cured hides and unwashed goblins. As you enter the room, you see there are a couple of sleeping bags laid out around you. 
And up on top of this, uh, you see that there is a human male, which you would recognize as Sildar Hallwinter. Sildar is barely hanging on to consciousness, leaning up against a stalagmite. And another goblin uh, first sees his friend Geronimo enter the room and kind of gives him a, you know, a hail and well met in traditional ye olde old fashioned ways. And then sees the rest of you following in behind. Uh, he tenses up and says, Alt, who goes there? Well, we got to introduce ourselves. <laughs> it is I, Sandal. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Sandal should answer since he is a goblin. Yeah, Sandal, I, th- I think you take it from here and let's just keep it short and sweet. I think like we talked about, just keep in mind, I'm saying this like kind of just like, kind of like whispering to him, just like, remember, you know, all we want is our buddy. We're offering to trade two for one deal. Yeah. It's good stuff. And Are you giving him like a little shoulder rub while you're doing this too? Bit, a little bit. <laughs> um, and then it's kind of like that thing where like they, it's the shoulder rub it and then the shoulder pat as well. Right as I finish saying, I'm like, so just short and sweet. We're not here to fight. Once you got this, you know, here we go. Let's trade. We just want to walk out of this cave in peace and we'll give you Geronimo and Kyle back. All right. He looks down and uh, he says, well, what, what do I want them for? I was going to say, you just said hey to him. <laughs> like, Why don't you want him back? That's <laughs> oh, a really so friendly hey, friend, sir. Ask him, ask him if they're friends. Well, you know, I mean, you share a cave with a guy, you kind of get used to each other. I, mean, I don't say we're close or anything. I don't, I don't even know his wife's name. <laughs> aren't you, uh, you going to miss having them around? I mean, they're alive. There's no reason for this to get violent. Also, I mean, let's just... I know you guys aren't that great at counting, but clearly... There's way more of us than there is than you. Do you do you really want to fight all three of us? <laughs> There's three of you and three of them. Oh, is it? <laughs> but you know, I mean, that's well. You got two guys that are already beat to crap, though. Yeah, so tired. there's only they're one of him, any. really. <laughs> this guy that's at the top, uh, his name is Yemek, by the way. He says, "Ah, oh, uh, Two goblins are uh, not really worth one man. What else do you have to offer? Well, then I'd ask him, what do you want with this man? Yeah, what's the purpose even? I mean, what's what's the deal with this guy? Why him? Oh, I don't know. I hang around. Maybe, maybe, maybe we eat him. I, I haven't figured it out yet. Well, you brought you brought up eating. I mean, I have some rations. Are you hungry? Hmm. What kind of rations? And uh, right around right about this point, I've I've kind of had enough of this, so I I draw my bow and notch an arrow. Oh, but I don't I don't fire quite oh yet. Oh my god, I don't like Just that. Just kind of some intimidation tactics. I don't like that. <laughs> keeping keeping it down low. He's like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. I see you guys are some fighters. I'll tell you what. I'm Yemik, and uh, I really think that I should be running the show around here, but. Well, I've got a little bit of competition. You see, if you go down and go on the other side of the cave, there's a hobgoblin named Clark. Clark's just a jerk. I think I think somebody should take care of Clark. How about if I send my two friends here with you, and you guys get rid of Clark? Maybe then we can talk about a, a deal and a trade. I feel like at this point, kind of the, the three of us huddle up and yeah. here's what I'm going to say. We've already got these two tied up. They're, you know, they're no threat to us. Our friend is right here. Like we can take him. It'd be very easy to just incapacitate this one goblin and then walk back out the cave. And this mission could be a trap too. Like what if Clark is with a bunch of other goblins? Yeah. Yeah. I have no desire to go further into the cave. The only problem here is he does, I mean, literally have the high ground. So it's going to be kind of tough to take him out quietly. Um, I kind of feel like if we attack him, then he's we're going to be in for some of his friends coming in here, I feel like. But either either mission here makes us deal with his friends. Like true. we either go further in the cave and, and fight more goblins, or we kind of try to deal with this one guy quickly and then get out of here. Yeah, plus I don't care about Clark. He's not the one who has her friend. I want to take out this guy, so. All right, so I agree with you guys, but I feel like we got, let's try and finesse the situation. Is there anything that we could say to this guy at all based on what he said that we could maybe, I don't know, just get out of the situation do with you think you could, uh Do you think you could play him a song that might lull him to sleep? I don't know. 
<laughs> Give us maybe a little uh, a performance roll. The nice thing about D&D is the answer to any question is you can try. I like where your head's at. Can I, uh, hey Nick, can I do that little uh, like preparation action type deal where maybe I'll say, I'll let Brief attempt to lull him to sleep. And if he doesn't fall asleep, then I'll shoot him with an arrow. <laughs> I don't want to lull him to sleep, though. I, I like what you're thinking. I just don't think the goal should be to lull him to sleep. Yeah, so keep in mind that there are some things that are, uh, you know, like like Brief is an, an excellent and talented bard, but like not necessarily full-on snake charmer right. level. That's kind of what I'm thinking, um, yeah. You're also in a, he's in a room with like a bunch of hostile people at this point. So sleep's probably not the good option, but you could lull him into a false sense of security. I'll say mechanically the way that this would work in the game is uh, normally what you would be doing with a stealth roll where you would sneak up on somebody and that would put somebody else in a surprise round. Kind of like what happened to you guys when we did our first combat. If Brief does a nice performance for him, maybe that would surprise or put him into a, a surprise situation so you guys could get a full round of attacks on him before he can react. Brief, should you break out your rendition of Goblin's Gonna Goblin? I could. I'm just trying to think Sandal. I mean... This is certainly an option. I'm trying to, I mean, do you have any other ideas here? I mean, the guy clearly doesn't care too much about these guys that we took hostage. All he seems to care about is that his friend on the opposite side of the cave is killed. Maybe I can try talking to this guy one-on-one, since we're both goblins. See, you know, kind of talk to him about his past. Maybe him and I, may, we may have very well have served together. Talk about the war, maybe. I like that. Yeah, I may talk about the war. Who knows? Maybe we should try, maybe we should try and connect, maybe if you can connect with him on the war, maybe we can say that Sildar is kind of like our war buddy too, you know what I mean? Like, that's what he means right. to us, so maybe if you can connect with um, this guy on the same way, maybe he'll kind of take pity and let us take him, I don't know. And even if he wasn't involved, maybe he still, he, maybe he has family or knows someone close to him that was, maybe he lost somebody. You know, during the conflict. So I think I think I think uh, Sandals our best bet here to kind of maybe get him on our side. So Sandal, uh, I think I think maybe it's kind of a combination of the two here. Brief starts, you know, just pulls pulls out his uh, his instrument, starts playing maybe a little gentle tune, and uh, Brief goes up, uh, or sorry, Sandal goes up and uh, and starts ca cautiously approaching Yemek, you know, and hey, buddy. Uh, you remember the war and how hard that was, and maybe maybe you lost somebody, maybe I lost somebody. You're just you know you just just two hearts, two goblin hearts reaching out in a cave trying to connect, you know, in this mad crazy world. Let's have you make a. Well, I, I guess let me ask you on this. Which are you trying to like connect over like the sad part of the war? Or are you trying to like see if he's got family or a, a mutual connection? What do you think? Yeah, he's trying to find out his past, if he even was in the same village as me or not, and kind of just relate to him on, like, a, a friendly level, I guess. Kind of just... Probably the family aspect yeah, of Yeah, kind of show him that we're not, we're not, we're, we're not too far, we're not, we're not too different from each other. I like that. Let's, uh, let's go with performance then. Let's just go straight up performance and... Alright. You, so you kind of, you walk up there and you're like, hey buddy, you know, weren't you, weren't you in the war? I was in the war and... Yeah. Yemek is kind of like, ah, oh, war, war never changes. Mm -hmm. And uh, and with a, a 13 on that roll, you can tell that you're you're not 100% winning him over, but you know he's kind of like letting his guard down a little bit. You know, you could tell he was real on edge, gripping his weapon tight. You know, he's kind of settling down a little bit, and he's like, you know, yeah, the war. And he starts telling you a story and. You quickly realize he's talking about a completely different war. Okay, that's <laughs> like, okay. Not even related, didn't happen in the same place, not even the same year. Yeah. But like, he's starting to talk about, he's opening up a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's just being in touch with your feelings and your sensitive side. It's just, it's just not a common thing in the goblet community. And, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely got a lot weighing on him. He's probably seen a lot of his friends go down. So, so you've got him lulled into, uh, away from hostile into sort of a neutral position for you guys. Okay. Uh, Sildar, by the way, is like barely hanging on to consciousness. He sees that you guys are here, doesn't really, mm, it's not really recognizing you yet. Okay. 
I think now that he's kind of in that neutral position, I think now's where we want to try and make the move to connect that, uh, you know, this guy's kind of like our, you know, war buddy, essentially. And we wouldn't want to ever see anything happen to him. And we wouldn't want to lose him. Um, we're just trying to, you know, get him back. He's our buddy. Get him to safety. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think that's probably the goal here. Um, we don't want to freak him out or do anything too hostile or crazy. I, I appreciate the uh, the nonviolent approach to this. Oh, yeah. Not very common in first time D and D players. There you go. Uh, I'm gonna have all of you guys roll me. Let's just do another straight up D twenty roll and let's see how lucky you are. Oh, <laughs> it's an eight, a seventeen. Yeah, hold on. This is the deciding roll. Yes. A nineteen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Man, you guys are talking, and it's like, who knows what it is. Maybe it's the story of that one hill, and that's not where your buddies were supposed to die, but they did, and he's bonding over that, he's just looking around, and all of a sudden, you you wouldn't have expected it, but, well, Humix got tears in his eyes, and he's kind of choked up a little bit, and he's just, this isn't really where you expected the day to go, but you know, you end up where you end up, and you are where you are. Sandal, why don't you get in there and just kind of give him a hug, a little gentle, a hug and a little gentle pat on the back. I'm gonna put my arm around him and be like, I know, buddy, I know. Man, he he takes that hug and it's like, you can tell, <laughs> you can tell. You're like, your first thought is like, oh man, who hurt you, Yumik? Who hurt you? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> you reach out and you get a hand on his shoulder and he shies away. It's like yeah, a physical. It's not like, your fault. It's away. not your fault, Matt Damon. Yeah, get that. But then when he realizes that your touch is gentle. Man, he he hugs you with all his might. He clings on. He's patting your back, and it's like a good it's like a good thirty second. Cry, I do a, I do a know? key change here, by the way. I feel like this is kind of a big moment, so I do a key change. Go a bit uh-huh. into the higher notes up there. Um, I and quick minor chord, yeah, exactly. and then crescendo. I wipe a tear from my own eye as well in the middle of it. I, it's beautiful to watch. And while, while Sandal has his arm around around his goblin buddy, he kind of leads him away, and, and maybe I kind of shimmy on past and, and go to our, our companion here and, and kind of start to have him realize who we are. So you guys get uh, Yemek down, and as soon as you get him down to the bottom part, He's got like he's got an arm around Geronimo. He's got an arm around uh, around Kyle, and it's just like they're just hugging the crap out of it. They're all crying now. <laughs> they're just like, "I love you guys. I love you guys. You're the best. Remember that time we had that deer? Oh my god!" <laughs> and they're just they're just hugging it out, and uh, you're you're pretty confident that they're fairly well distracted. Uh, okay. Meanwhile. Spruce gets up by Sildar, and once you get within, you know, like a couple feet of Sildar, he sees you, and now he recognizes you. And he's just, he's like almost a little too stunned to even know what to do, but um, he, uh, he, he grabs onto like your, your tunic lapels, and, uh, and it's like, oh, thank God you're here. And I, I just kind of look at him and I go, what, what did they do to you? They ambushed us. They ambushed us on the road. They they took Gundren. I don't know where. They've they keep talking about a a, a castle somewhere, Cragma Cra- Castle. Uh, I I don't know the. It, why why are they all crying? <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. We 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 need to get out of here. We need to get out of here, and we need to find Gundren. So I I uh, can can you walk? Are you, are you, can if can I support you? And can we can we get out of here, or do I need to carry you? Uh, you can, he like, he, he puts his feet on the ground and he pushes himself up, grabbing onto the stalagmite and, uh, and he puts an arm around your shoulders and he says, with your help, lad, I think I can walk. Nice. Let's, let's go while they're, while while they're, I still don't know why they're crying, but let's, (laughs) let's get out of here. Let's go while we still can. And it's, it's very important that, uh, brief keeps playing as we walk out of the room. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm still playing. I'm still playing. Am I still hugging these guys, or am I done hugging them? I feel like there was like a dance partner exchange in there, and you kind of just get them all hugging, yeah. and you slip off to the side. Out. Yeah, so sand- right. I'm like, so Sandal, you get out of here. I'm, I'm still playing. I'm like, you go, you go. So yeah. I feel like you go, and I'll try and be last. I'm going to like slowly walk backwards out the way we came, playing a little bit louder as I walk back so it doesn't sound like I'm leaving. <laughs> and then <laughs> at some point, just going to kind of let it fade. They seem to be distracted, having a good moment, so just let it fade. And I'm going to follow you guys out as well.
So you guys, at this point, I'm going to say, have successfully completed this phase of the adventure. You quietly make your way out the hallway. Uh, you've got Sildar Hallwinter. You don't have Gundren, but you've got some leads lead. to pursue. Eventually, you make your way back down to uh, the wagon that was back on the Tribor Trail. Mm -hmm. You get Sildar uh, laid out in the back of the wagon with the supplies so he can rest. Brave soldier, he can rest. And you eventually make your way to the town of Fandolin. Mm. Okay. Who knows where your adventures take you from there? There's all sorts of people in town and places to go and... Many, many mysteries yet to be unraveled from all the fun and interesting plot hooks that are in the first chapter of the adventure in the starter set. And I feel like that's a good place for us to uh, to wrap up. And Spruce, of course, gives a, a soft whistle for the Spruce Mobile. And then he looks at Sandal and says, hey, I'm proud of you, kid. <laughs> Wait, I'm older than you, though. <laughs> <laughs> How about we just look at each other? We both we just we just look in each other's eyes and we just nod. And in the middle of your moment, I run up and put like my arms around both of you. I just kind of ruin it on accident. <laughs> like that was so great, guys. We did so good. Did you like my song? In that moment, the three of us know we're we're destined to journey together from here on out. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. All three of you simultaneously jump up in the air and then freeze frame. Oh, perfect. Well, no, we perfect. freeze frame, but Sildar's in the back of the wagon looking at us like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> How are they? doing that <laughs> okay everybody well that is where we are going to conclude our dungeons and dragons adventure today and before we get out of here, we do need to give another huge thank you to Nick from the Very Good Adventuring team. Please show him some love. Go give him and his podcast some support. You can check out their website. That's thevgateam.com. And you can follow them on Twitter. That's at VGA Team. So be sure to check them out. Uh, and if you want more D&D content, Nick runs a D&D solely focused podcast. So be sure to check out his podcast as well. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. We appreciate you coming on. It was a good time. Yeah, shout out to Nick again, like Austin said, make sure you go follow them. If you enjoyed this episode at all, you know, let us know and maybe we'll find a way to keep it going. And definitely, regardless, just like we said, show Nick some love. This took a long time. Obviously, if you're listening to this, this is probably the episode that's had the most editing go into it. So Nick, Nick was here and he was on this call with us for so long, even before the recording started, just teaching us the basics. So it was a huge time commitment. We appreciate it. So yeah, go support them for sure. And and like Matt said, if you guys want to hear us play D&D again, shoot us a message, let us know. We had a ton of fun making this episode, so I'm sure we would be down to play again. Yeah, I can't believe we made it out of the cave alive. I'm glad we were successful in the end. Yeah. It's a weird kind of satisfying feeling. I can't really think of something that it equates to. It's just a different type of satisfaction. The fact that we were able to do that without like having to slaughter anybody unnecessarily. And like, it's just cool that you can accomplish stuff in this game, you know, in so many different ways. We did it just with this goofy little thing that we came up with on the spot. So it, this was fun. This was really cool. I did not expect it to be this level of imagination and option and Definitely want to play again. So yeah, let, let us know because I, I know I want to play again. So give me an excuse. <laughs> yeah, it's always good when you can get in touch with your sensitive side. And honestly, it really does kind of feel like we cheated in a way. Like I, I can't believe we got out of that cave without any fighting. <laughs> okay. Well, everybody, as always, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss any of our upcoming content. And also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, that really is the best way to help us continue to grow this show. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for the continuation of our James Bond series and review, and we will be talking about Spectre. That's right. And technically, you know, it's not the finale to this series, because No Time to Die will come out eventually. It's been delayed a million times now. Right now, it's supposed to be October, so... Regardless, it's going to be a while before we talk Daniel Craig is Bond again. So this is a this will be a little, I guess, mid-season finale, if you will. And by God, I am dreading it. The fact that I have to watch this movie again, I don't feel well anymore um, about anything. So, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So, yeah, I think 
Look, when they're when they're, I feel like especially with me, if there's something that I'm not excited to watch, I feel like it always leads to a good episode, you know. So it's it's going to be fun regardless. Um, on top of that, we are also continuing to watch each and every episode of Wandavision when those drop on Fridays. So the following Sunday, we will put a review out of the previous episode. So things are heating up on that show. I don't want to spoil anything here if you haven't gotten caught up. I mean, there is too much to spoil. It's been a blast. Can't wait to continue this. And on top of that. Final thing to mention, the brackets are back. It's been a while. We did a bunch of brackets in 2020. The last one we did was our holiday-themed bracket at the end of December where we broke down what is the best holiday movie. I think we did a damn good job. And they're back, guys. It's ho- it's another holiday season. Maybe not as important depending on your uh, your romantic status. I don't know. who. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying, guys. It's time to talk about rom-coms, okay? That's what we're doing. We have a lot. It's going to be fun. It's the season of love. It's the season of love. I can't wait. Keith actually suggested that we do this episode. He's a fucking sucker for these movies. He can't stop talking about them. This was all of his idea. And actually, every single movie on this list he suggested. So, you know, it's going to be fun. Yeah, actually, uh, I rewatched uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall last Ooh, night. Ooh, a little tease. That's always a good one. That is a very good one. I'm excited. But yeah, remember to go check us out on Instagram, at The Arnie's. Feel free to direct message us your thoughts on this episode and future episodes. Uh, please go back and rewatch Casino, Quantum, Skyfall, look forward to Spectre. I know Matt's not, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to hear him rip it apart. Or maybe he might like it this time. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah. But catch up on WandaVision, and as Paul Rudd would say in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, when life gives you lemons, just say fuck the lemons and bail. So true. Let's get the hell out of here. Just like Grant the Goblin did in part one, and then I shot him in the back. I actually forgot that happened. There was a part, I don't know if it even made it into the episode, but there was a part where I was like, should we go deeper in the cave? We might find Grant. We might like figure something out. And like somebody was like, I killed him. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. I was, I was too busy thinking about Sinbad. That part was cut, so audience, you didn't hear that, but thanks for breaking it up, Matt. All right, everybody, we will see you again on Sunday for WandaVision and then again on Tuesday for Spectre. Bye, everyone. See ya. See ya.